Thursday night, and um, a lot can happen in a week. I feel like I've been away for months, but um, as you can see, we survived. It was, uh, it was a great time, and uh, looking forward to telling you all about it on Sunday evening. I'm going to have the team up and, and share a bit of a testimony, share some pictures, but um, just, uh, just as I'm reflecting on it, um, you know, we, we really do have a, a, a massive country. There's, there's so many roads to travel, and all of them, boys, you pass through those different towns. There's so many people in need of the, the Savior. And, uh, you know, we were, we were ch- chatting with some of the, the young people on the, on the trip with us, and, um, you know, it was great that we were able to go to Outback, Queensland, but, you know, we've got our own Outback in New South Wales, and we have all, we have small towns, we have suburbs, and, um, you know, the, the time's drawing near where, really, it's the last days, church, it really is, and we need to be urgent about it. And uh, so, just a great trip, we were able to, I think, pass out uh, 10,000 uh, gospel packets, uh, 12, 12 or so different towns, uh, hosted revival meetings, uh, hosted the, the, the Sunday services, and, and were, was able to just help, um, help our missionaries have a bit of a break. And so, uh, the Hebley family sent their greetings, by the way, to the church, and uh, just uh, just was privileged to see their their faithfulness and was reminded again of how long they've they've really been in Australia 11 years ministering in the outback and you don't really really see the the gravity of that until you're there and you're camping alongside them and then it rains all right and uh, it was uh, if you you speak to some of our young people um, that rain it really makes a big difference Okay, and, and it really made a lot of things uncomfortable, but, you know, through all of it, God was working, and I think God worked in the hearts of our young people and, um, and the ones who were there, but then also with the, the churches that we were able to go to, I think they were encouraged. Uh, the, the town that we were hoping to pioneer a work in, in Schoburg there, I think that door is well and truly open. Um, the first day, we had about 15, actually 63 children. Um, in that township, and if you consider that the town only has a population of 600, um, that's a quite a good percentage, right? And so then the next evening, we had up to 90, 90 children, and uh, two, two of those young people got saved that, uh, on that second day, and all in all, we, we saw seven people call upon Christ to save them, so praise the Lord. Is anyone else excited about that, or, um, you know, it's not one of those bah humbug things, but... It's one of those things that you ought to get excited about, and uh, we're glad to, glad to have experienced it all, and, um, and again, uh, a couple of highlights for me was uh, I was able to help in a river baptism, which was uh, exciting, so um, there was an 82-year-old man who had just undertaken an operation, and he was, he was determined to be baptized, and, um, and then two other ladies, and then one lady who on the spot just said, look, I need to get baptized. So four people, and um, just people that, that the gospel affected them and their lives were changed, and what really struck me was the raw emotion in it. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I am getting baptized. No, it meant something. And uh, 
I don't know, I think about a hundred of the townspeople came to watch it, which was an amazing thing. And so that was a highlight for me. Just um, and I told I told our church, I said, we're getting rid of our baptistry. I'm looking for a river. All right, I'm just gonna gonna do that. But it's also good to see the the Gondomans. So they, I guess, while I was away, they blew into town. So no, I knew that. All right, it was a, it was a surprise for the rest of the church. But glad to have them tonight. And then we had an engagement while I was away. What is going on? You know, maybe I need to be away a little bit more often. What do you think? Uh, but I had an engagement. And uh, anything else I missed? I guess you'll, you'll keep me uh, in the loop in the next couple. All right, let's turn to um, Colossians chapter 1 this evening as we continue on our series on uh, our Bible book tour. And so we're up to the book of Colossians. And I won't be long tonight, church, as I um, know that we did a, quite a lengthy series on this book. Uh, I think it was over a year now ago that we finished it, but... Uh, Colossians chapter 1, and we'll just begin reading in, in verse 1. Um, before we start, actually, I want to encourage you, just reminded uh, with what Brother Erhard said, uh, I had sent uh, a bunch of texts and emails throughout the week encouraging you to speak to your local members about the amendments that need to be made to that bill. Um, and you understand that, that what's at cost is our religious freedom, uh, our freedom to worship, and uh, we want to be able to just voice our just voice our concerns about that, and we want to be heard, and you won't be heard unless you action it, and so please do that, please make a phone call, please send an email, please send a letter, and um, if you need a draft one, uh, Brother Ehad actually read through the, the um, one that you forwarded me, it's excellent, so I, can, I don't mind forwarding that and you just copying it, but um, why, don't you just, why don't you just take the time, all right, and, and now's the time to act. So just, just before we get into the message, right? Colossians chapter 1, uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. And so we're going to learn a little bit, and just go through a quick summary of the book of Colossians. Uh, the church in Colossae uh, was more than likely started by Epaphras as someone uh, whom Paul had influenced. Uh, Paul, having visited Ephesus, was, which was the major city of the, that area, probably met Epaphras on his third missionary journey. So uh, if you turn to Acts chapter 19, we're going to see that. Acts chapter 19, and notice in verse 1, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. And he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. And he went unto the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and, and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of the way, that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disrupt, uh, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this one, uh, this continued by the space of two years, so he, he, he was there with them that long, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So, so um, here we, we believe that Epaphras was, was converted, was, um, was influenced then by Paul, taught the doctrines, and he goes back to his home area here in Colossae, and he, he goes on and he wins others there. All right, and so, so we see that there in, in Acts chapter 19, and so we believe from this event, Epaphras, having spent time with Paul, must have returned to the, the Tri-City area to share the gospel and, and, and then saw people and people saved and churches established. So we know that in Colossae, in that area, there was really three cities in that same area. So we have Colossae, we have Laodicea, and we have Hierapolis. And, and we, one of those other ones should be really familiar to us because another letter was written to them, where? In the book of Revelation, Right? Um, to Laodicea, and so the, those were the churches of Asia Minor, and so that was the same area of which Colossae was found, all right? Um, in Colossians 4.12, we see Epaphras, who is one of you, okay, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayer, that he, you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God, for I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hierapolis, so there again, um, as, as Epaphras came back from his time in Ephesus, he wasn't merely concerned about his immediate city, Colossae. He was concerned about his area of, of um, Laodicea and Hierapolis, and he was very zealous for them. All right, And so we see that, uh, that Epaphras at this point was, was with, with Paul. And we're going to see that in the purpose of the writing of the book of Colossae, he went over there to get some clarification about some things because there were some doctrinal issues that were creeping into the church. The letter itself was delivered by Tychicus after Epaphras was also in prison. And it's likely that Archippus was then given the responsibility to pastor the church in Epaphras' absence. All right, And we see that later on in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 and verse 17. The motivation for Epaphras to see Paul again, was that error had started to creep into the church, right? Epaphras being a faithful minister, okay? It's, and it's important to, to understand that, that uh, this Epaphras, he was a, a great, a great uh, character, a great person in the church who was wanting to protect the flock. And so to, to be able to do that, he wanted as a faithful minister go and get Paul's, uh, Paul's perspective and Paul's leading in, in what he needed to do. And so he, he goes to get Paul's counsel in dealing with this Judaistic um, Gnosticism that was coming in. Uh, Wilmington put it, puts it this way, it represented the worst of both the Jewish and Greek world of thought. So they were surrounded by these, uh, these worldly wisdom, this worldly wisdom that was coming into the church. So part of this was a situation really that the city found itself in. It was a, a Gentile city. 
but it was, it was populated by Jews and Greeks. Okay, so it was, a, it was a diverse city with competing philosophies that crept its way into the church through false teachers. And it, I think it'd be easy for us to, to really make a connection with the book of Colossians because really that's where we're at. We have conflicting, you know, we have, we have Christians who are confused about what the Bible actually says and what's right and what's wrong. Why? Because there's competing philosophies all around us. All right, so Colossae itself was a city of Phrygia on the, on the Lycus or Wolf River. Uh, it's located in modern-day Turkey, and it's been replaced by the town uh, named Honaz. It was a really small market town that, that had its significance in having a major ro- road run through it, okay, starting from Ephesus, which was 160 kilometers west to the re- river Euphrates. And then at the time of, the, of this writing, it was, it was lost... Um, it lost any status of importance, all right? So in, in one sentence, if we were to summarize the whole book, uh, Jesus Christ is the supreme Lord of the universe and the head of the church, and therefore he is the only one through whom forgiveness is possible, making legal obligations or, or philosophical, uh, philosophical studies irrelevant in matters of salvation. So the key facts about the book, it's the 51st book of our Bible. Paul is the author Colossians was written, again, by Paul during his first Roman imprisonment, along with uh, the, the prison epistles, and came as a result of visit from, uh, from Epaphras. Um, Paul himself, again, it's, it's important to note, didn't establish the church, and in fact never had met the people in Colossae and the surrounding area. Okay, at, the, at the time of this writing, he had never met them. He was, he was going via Epaphras. Now, the book of Colossians has four chapters. 95 verses, 1,998 words. Uh, I believe the key word is fullness. Okay, fullness. Um, As Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, so we find fullness in Christ. Okay, and and we're going to see the link uh, between the body and its head. Um, And and really the the main emphasis in the book of Colossians is, is Jesus as the head of the church. All right, the key verse is Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Now, some interesting facts, uh, again, about the book. Uh, it's, it's one of the four prison epistles, uh, the other ones being Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon. Um, again, at the time of the, the, write, the writing of the letter, Paul had not visited or had not met the um, those who were in Colossae, he says in, in chapter 2 and uh, in verse 1, he says, For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you, having knowing, hearing from Epaphras, all that the, the, the influences that were coming into the church. He says, And for them at Laodicea, and, uh, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So he, they had not seen him. They had not met him. All right, they had, he had only known about them because of Epaphras' involvement with him previously. Um, and uh, the, the book of Ephesians, as we looked at a couple of um, weeks ago, focuses on the body, which is the church, and then Colossians focuses on the head, who is Christ. All right? And indeed, Colossians is a Christ-centered book. Uh, the name of Christ is mentioned 19 times, Christ Jesus three times. Lord, eight times, Lord Jesus Christ, two times, he, him, his, referring to the Lord Jesus, 30 times, whom, 
referring again to Christ four times, firstborn two times, all right, um, the head two times, the son one time, and master one time. All right, so all of those, all of those, um, all of those titles and, and references to Christ. Um, Paul wanted the Colossian letter read to the surrounding congregations around Colossae. We read that earlier uh, in Colossians 4, and he, he spoke about his, uh, the zeal that Epaphras had. And, and then he says in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 16, And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye, be, ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And so uh, evidently, Paul had written a, an, another letter to the church in Laodicea, and he wanted that read also in conjunction here to what is given us in the canon of Scripture, uh, the, this letter to the Colossians. But uh, you, you see that it was really focusing on that tri-city area. Um, the city of Colossae itself, as we mentioned, it was located 160 kilometers um, uh, from Ephesus. It was, again, in the region of the seven churches of Asia Minor, and it was a populous um, commerce city, okay? and, and it's famous for its glossy black wool, just for interest's sake. All right? So um, the purpose of the book, the purpose of the book of Colossians is to answer the false doctrine that was creeping into the church, okay? specifically intellectualism okay? or worldly philosophy, commandments of men, so which was the performance of the Old Testament law as part of salvation, and then the worshiping of angels. Okay, the letter addresses this, the sufficiency of Christ as the answer to all of these false doctrines. Okay, the theme of the book of Colossians is the fullness of Christ as the head of the church and is the only source of life that the church needs. Okay, it follows on from the book of Ephesians where the main subject was the church as the body and then in, the Coloss in Colossians where Christ is the head of the body. So specifically, it's, the purpose is to tell the Colossians of Paul's care for them and his concern for their spiritual development, and to relay ministry-related information. Okay, it's also to present Jesus Christ as preeminent in all things, and to warn against any heresy that would distract from that preeminence. And then also in chapter 3 to 4, to encourage holiness. Um, an outline of the book, you can, you can um, title it Christ the Preeminent One, and in chapters 1 and 2, really, we see the supremacy of Christ. And then chapters 3 to 4, we see the submission to Christ. And, and, and we can break, break up the book if you were to outline it in those two ways. Um, as we mentioned already, uh, the type of Christ we see in the book of, of Colossians is Christ, the head of the church. And it's important for us to remind ourselves that, that as we, as we lead some of us in different areas, myself included, that it's not my headship. It's Christ that we seek for headship, and we need to seek Him as, uh, as, uh, as our guide, as uh, the one who will lead us, all right? And so we're going to look at Colossians chapter 1 and just, just make a quick application here as we think about, um, think about this great book. Colossians chapter 1 and uh, verses 5 and 6, and I think this would be appropriate for us to think about again as we, we think about the, the current situation of which we find ourselves as a church, as a, as a nation, as a people, you know, it could be it'd be very easy for us to to feel depressed about the situation our nation is headed. It could be very easy for us to sort of um, sort of just give up 
in, in what we're meant to do for Him. And yet, here we, we find the Apostle Paul encouraging the, the church and the brethren in, in, in Colossae about something. And he says this in verse 5, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. He's reminding them that he, they have hope. Whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bring it forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. And so he's reminding them that, that uh, whilst they are in the world, whilst they are seeing the, the competing forces that are in the church even, the, the, the influence that was creeping into the church, and those things that they were trying to, they, they were trying to address, he was reminding them about the hope that they have. And, you know, tonight, as I think about the time that we've just had in the, the Aussie outback, you, you speak to a lot of them who are in those towns. Uh, even they feel, in, in some sense, a desperate need and, and um, a sort of lull and depression about what is going on in, in their lives, what is going on with this world. And I can see very much so in their isolation that at times they would feel that way. But we know in our busyness, we can feel that way too. And so I think it'd be a good reminder for us tonight to think about our hope through the gospel. All right, our hope through the gospel. And, and what, was, what was encouraging this past week as we went over there was really as we were talking about the love of Christ, which was really our theme for the week, it was really, it was really just us going about and sharing the message of hope that we have. And I can't think of a better message to share in our day than the message of hope that we have in the gospel. People need hope. And as they look at troublous times, and even as Christians, we need to be reminded of the hope that we have in Him. And he says there in verse 5, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. And, and we have hope because of the gospel. Okay, The gospel gives us hope. And hope really is, is this, to place confidence in, to trust in with confident expectation of good. And, you know, we can, be, we can be just as guilty as our neighbors of, of thinking negatively all the time and thinking like there's, there's no future ahead. But, you know, we as Christians should know better and understand that we can be confident in, in what God has given to us in the gospel. That we can be confident in the fact that whilst we traverse in this life and whilst we face challenges, we, we do have hope in Him. And we can hope in Him. It says in 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, which means it's a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And, and really, as we, we focus in on the, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we understand that, that really that, that great story of the gospel is one of, one of hope, one of light, one of renewal. And we need to share that and, and, uh, with the world, but also uh, at times preach it again to us and help us be reminded that we have hope in Him. Uh, we may not find hope in the world, and we ought not find hope in the world. We may not find hope in, in our politicians as they go through, and we might even take the time and daily, daily, um, daily send emails and daily phone, uh, phone, uh, phone into their offices, and we might even speak to them directly and we might continue to do that, and it still washes up that, that uh, the, they decide that they'll just push the, 
the Smith Bill through, we might go that way, but we don't find our hope in, in people. We don't find our hope in, in political leaders. We find our hope in the gospel. We find our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 6.19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. And you know, sometimes we can be troubled, can't we, with the circumstances of life, and yet in those troublous waters, we have an anchor of hope in the soul through the gospel. It says that it's sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. And tonight, I just want to remind you about the hope that we have through the gospel. And I want you to note firstly, in verse 5 there, he says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. And I want to remind you that it's, it, it is a future hope. We do have a future, all right? Um, we, we may not, not know what tomorrow holds. We may not know what will happen in, in a week's time. Uh, we might have all these things happen to us unannounced and unwanted. But the reality is this, our future is secure. We have a future hope. He says there, uh, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. And so we, we have a guarantee that we have this inheritance incorruptible and that fadeth not away. We have a, a future hope. We have a, a place to, uh, to, to dwell in one day as we pass on from this life, whether uh, through death or by the rapture. We have a future hope. And, and whilst today you might be downtrodden, whilst today you might have these challenges, think about this, you have an eternity with your Savior. You have an eternity that, that ought to comfort us. We have a future hope. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, the Bible tells us, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But the, the fact of the matter is, we don't just have hope in this life. We have hope to come. We have hope to look to. And really, hope is something to look to. It's not yet, but it will be. And heaven, heaven is in us, but not yet. Right? We, are to, to, we are to sojourn in this life with a, with a heavenly mindset, with heaven in view. But we understand it's not yet, but it's something to look forward to one day. You know, I know many of you who haven't left yet, you're looking forward to a holiday, you're looking forward for a break. But you know what I'm looking forward to? I'm just looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to being with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to when the, all, of the, all of the sins of this cursed world are no more. I'm looking forward to when this flesh can no more sin. I'm looking forward to that day where I can walk the streets of gold and rest in the presence of our God. I'm looking forward to that future hope. You see, we live in an evil world. And Jesus has promised that He has overcome, but we know it's not yet. But we look to that day. We look to the day where, where God's, uh, God's uh, future agenda will take place. I'm looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to when this corruptible shall put on incorruption. And what I'm trying to encourage you about tonight is this. We have a future hope. And in whatever you're facing today, you know, the, the worst thing that could happen to you is this. If you're saved, you have heaven. We have a future hope, but then also we have a founded hope. We have a founded hope. He says in verse 5, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth, the truth of the gospel. We have a founded hope, and, and we don't have a hope that, that, is a, uh, that is a fairy tale. We don't have a, a hope that is not evidenced. 
we have a hope that is, is founded on the sure word of God. And I notice in the word of the truth of the gospel, in Psalm 119, verse 81, the Bible says, My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. And, you know, sometimes I think that, that we as Christians, we can lose hope in this world because we have lost sight on what our hope is founded on. It's founded on the, the promises and the word of God. And, you know, we, we don't want to just, um, just live in this time and, and take for granted the fact that we have the word of God, that we have the Bible that, 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 that our hope is founded upon. And, and I hope that this morning as you got up, that you took some time in the Word of God and, and whilst you may have had some troubles and whilst you may have had a day that you were dreading to face, that you got some hope that you found in the Word of God. That, that your hope today was founded on, on a promise of God. That you're reminded again of who God is. You see, the Bible tells us in Romans 15, 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have and maybe it is today that you're feeling hopeless. Maybe it's just time to get back into the Word of God and find your hope again. It's a founded hope. It's not just made up. It's founded upon the, the, the inerrant, inspired, preserved Word of God. It's a founded hope. But then thirdly, thirdly, note with me that it's a far-reaching hope. Far-reaching hope. In Colossians 1, and now in verse 6, it says, Which is come unto you as it is in all the world. And so he's saying that this, the, the hope that we have in the gospel, it's found in you, but it's also gone into all the world. And, and that was especially um, fitting for us to think about. You know, we, we drove thousands and thousands of kilometers, and it, it just, some of these towns you, you'd never heard of, you'd never find it on, on, a, on a map. You never know it existed until you drove through it. But even in those most remote areas that, that we went to, some six hours away from, from what we would say civilization, even there the gospel was working. Even there people were getting saved. Even there there were, there were saints like we are tonight uh, sitting in attendance during the gathering time, being, being edified and being built up in the Word of God. And what I'm saying is the gospel that we have, the, the, our hope is a far-reaching hope. And today, as I, as I mentioned, you know, we have a whole world. We have a whole world still, still that needs to be reached. But let me just remind you that we have a far-reaching hope. It, it's come unto us, but it's come into all the world. And in Psalm 131 verse 3, let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. You see, this far-reaching hope, it is, it's not limited to to this day or tomorrow. No, no, it's, it's, a, it's a hope that endures, the Bible says, forever. We have, we have Him forever. And in Colossians 1.27, later down in the same chapter, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so as we have Christ in us, it's far-reaching in the sense that it's, it, re it reached us but it's far-reaching in the sense that it, it reaches all around. And, and what more motivation for us to go about in this time where hope is so much needed, where hope is so much, uh, so much the news that needs to be born in each heart, how, much, how urgent it, should it be that we share this message of hope that's far-reaching? 
And what I'm saying is this hope is available to everyone in the world. All right, God is no respecter of persons. He can save the, the, the chiefest of sinners. He can save the most hardened of hearts. He, he can reach down and he can, he can melt the most hardened hearted person. He, he can reach down and the most, the most anti, the most, uh, the most uh, conceited, the most, uh, the most against and anti-person in the world He can reach. If we would only go and be courageous. It was, it was a blessing this week to, to see, um, to see uh, the communities that we went to and, and see how the gospel being presented. Um, it just really, it, it, it can reach anyone. We, we went into towns that, you know, you, if you looked at it, and um, many of the towns we went into were, uh, had a majority uh, Aboriginal population, and you know what, we we could buy into, you know what we what what the media uh, talks about Aboriginal communities, how they don't they just don't care about anything, and uh, but you know what the the fact of the matter is whether they're they're Aboriginal or whatever whatever culture whatever color it doesn't matter they just need the gospel, and so we went in there and and you know there was a, a particular one who um, who Becky Heberly, um was able to to invite on the first day we were in. Um, in Morgan, and uh, she came the first evening of the revival meeting, and that night she got saved. and And throughout the throughout the week, she was saying that she had just met members of the church. She just, you know, throughout the week, the bus driver was a member of the church, uh, and throughout the week, she just seemed to be, and it just seemed like God was getting a hold of her heart. And then that night, she called Christ to save her. That's a far-reaching gospel that we have. It's a far-reaching hope that we can share. And then that, that second day, as, we, as the, the team went into the, uh, to the uh, town of Sherberg, there at the Waka Waka tribe, right? They went in there and they had the, the, kids, the kids program. And then two young boys called upon Christ to save them. And then throughout the week, as, as um, uh, Pastor EJ, he went out uh, soul winning with a group. Uh, they went into a, I don't remember the town now, but um, as they were passing out literature, there was a, a young man mowing his lawn, 19-year-old. And just right there, called upon Christ to save him. And then later on that week, last night there in, um, in, in Eidsvold, there were two young men who just had moved from the country New South Wales to country Queensland just that week, 116-121, both named Jordan. <laughs> and they called on, on Christ to save them. And they were just on the property passing by. And what I'm saying is this, we have a far-reaching gospel. We have a far-reaching hope. In 2 Thessalonians 2.16, Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. In Titus 3.7, That being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And, and this is the message that we have. And it reaches even the most hardened of sinners. But then notice also, that this hope that we have is not only a far-reaching hope, it's also a fruitful hope. It's a fruitful hope. And in verse 6, it says, Which was come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit. Bringeth forth fruit. So it's a fruitful hope. In First Peter 1.23, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And what I'm saying is hope, 
this hope that we have it, it, it have it bears fruit in our lives. It changes us. It, it, it manifests some things in our life. And, and hope is meant to bear some fruit in our lives. In, in verses 23 to 29 here in Colossians 1, it says, If you continue in the faith, grounded, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid, hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known that is the riches of the glory of his, this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he says, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whole, complete. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his workings, which worketh in me mightily. And what he's saying about that hope is, is this. It's not just an inactive hope. It's a continuing hope. It continues to work in him. There's a mighty work happening in his life as he holds on to the hope of the gospel. And don't ever think that the gospel is just a one-time transaction in your life. No, it's an active part of your life. As you get deeper about the gospel and understand that just the grace that God has bestowed upon you, what that ought to do in your life is bear fruit in your life. See, the, 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 the gospel doesn't just save, it sanctifies and God's, God's end game for us is that he, he might bear fruit in our lives. And the gospel, as we think about this hope that we have through the gospel, it's a fruitful hope. It bears fruit in your life. It, it'll change you. It'll make you something that you're not. It'll make you to be. You think about even the Apostle Paul as he's referring to himself, this mighty work that was happening in his life. He was once an enemy of the cross. And yet here he is, the, the vessel chosen to propagate the gospel to all the world, to the Gentile world. And so it's a fruitful hope. And, and you know, I have no doubt as we, as we go about and we're seeking for change in our, in our generation, we're seeking that, that somehow, even in this last days, God would, would just see it fit that, that, that many would still come to Him. The, the thing that will change our nation, the thing that will change our communities, the thing that will change our families, the thing that will change our social circles is the fruitfulness of the gospel. And we better be fruitful in that hope. Uh, we better share that with others. We better, it better be something that is bearing fruit in our lives. And then lastly, and really quickly, notice here in Colossians 1.6, he says, Which is come unto you as is all, in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it. And he says, And knew the grace of God in truth. And, and, and there was something that they didn't know that they now know. They knew the grace of God in truth. Right? And so lastly and really quickly, it's a forming hope. There, there's something forming in them. They were now getting to know. And what was happening was there was a forming of the truth of God in their lives. In Colossians 1.27, again, it says that which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope that we have in Christ forms 
it ought to form something in our lives. It ought to form our manner of living. It ought to change us. And in Colossians 3, and we'll turn there and we'll be done. In verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And so our desires, the things that we seek, that becomes reformed. It becomes transformed. It becomes formed in the image of Christ, the things that He cares about. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. They say, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. So our affections, our desires are moved from this earthly ambition and this earthly temporal world that we have to eternal things, to heavenly things. And he's transferring that. He says, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And even our, our, um, our sustenance, our, our, the, the fact that we consist, that we continue to go on, we find our life not in this world. We're dead to it. We find our life and our, li- our living in the Lord Jesus Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. And then we're, we're, what's forming is, again, our hope of things to come. You know, I hope that you're, you're, you're the type of Christian this, uh, this, this evening who's, who's, got a, who's got a hope that is forming them. I hope that you're being formed in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that, that, um, that as we think about what he said, I think, in, in Galatians, where, where Christ, is, um, Christ is formed in us, where he's birthed Christ, and that Christ is being formed in us. I hope that that's, that that's true in our hearts and lives and that, that it affects our manner of living. I hope that, that as people see you this week, especially in our time of darkness, that they would see the light of Christ in you. I hope that's forming. I hope that we are hopeful people. See, uh, as, we, as we go about this, this life, we need to be people of hope. We need to have our hope grounded upon the, the person of Jesus Christ. Not on the circumstances, but, but on, the, on, the, on the person of Christ, on, on the gospel. And I hope that we would go this week and have, a, have an urgency about sharing the great hope that we have in Him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you tonight and we just thank you, dear Lord, for, uh, for who you are. We thank you, dear God, that even as we, uh, we face another day tomorrow by your grace, that, Lord, we can, we can have a living hope, that we have a hope that, that is secure, that, that we can look to. And that, Father, Lord, as you continue to work in our hearts and lives, that you'll, you'll bear fruit. And, Father, even in our evil day, Lord, we come, we want to redeem the time. And we want to be able, Lord, to be, uh, to be made more like you. And, uh, Lord, we praise you. We thank you for, the, uh, Lord, all the blessings of the day, all the blessings of this week so far. And we give you the glory in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. Let's all stand.